and welcome to a new edition of the Pelican Debrief Podcast. Sorry about the delay if you are a long-time listener. Uh, today we have a Pelican Debrief veteran, uh, Charles LaRocca, and you can catch his uh, writing every week at pelicandebrief.com along with, you know, all of the usual game coverage, analysis, and uh, podcasts. Hoping to do that a little bit more, so uh, Charles is on top of everything over there. He's He's on games every week. He's on his own analysis piece uh, where he highlights a specific Pelicans player every week. Um, He'll plug himself toward the end of the show, but uh, we'd love to hear uh, what you guys think, any questions you might have, and uh, any uh, interests you might have for future episodes. Again, thanks for listening, and here is Charles. Okay, so we're just going to go ahead and start with the uh, Pelicans' most important player of the 2016 season. Um, This one's actually pretty interesting because uh, obviously it's Anthony Davis, so we're going to go ahead and say besides him um, because he would clearly win just about every... uh, everybody's list on that one. But go ahead and tell us who you have there. Yeah, you said, like, when it comes to the most important, any list probably starts and ends with Anthony Davis, but coming, I'll choose Buddy Heald as the most important, just due to long-term success for the franchise. His development is probably, like, the most important thing to take away from this season because, I mean, say the Pelicans do go on, like, a massive run and squeak in the playoffs, it won't really matter too much. I mean, it'll probably just be a first-round exit, or it looks like the Pelicans are likely headed to the lottery, so... Buddy Heald's development throughout the season is the most important. He hasn't really played very well. So I guess I, I could go with, like, you may want to say Dante Cunningham's, like, surprised me. Like, I didn't think – I thought he was finished, and I thought he wasn't going to be a valuable rotation piece, but he's kind of reinvented himself as, like, some three-point specialist. He shooting, like, 40%, but then he got hurt. So he to me, he was the most surprising, but I think going forward, Buddy Heald is definitely the most valuable and he's probably the most important when it comes to long-term success for the Pelicans franchise. Yeah, Dante Cunningham's interesting. I mean, it's not really a surprise at this point when those kind of players go down for the Pelicans, uh, unfortunately, but um, he definitely was important to what they were doing early on in the season, even though you know maybe it does go to show exactly how far you can get if Dante Cunningham's super important to your team, considering that they started 0-8. Um, but... Yeah, he sort of was what Solomon Hill was supposed to be going into the year, so that's kind of an interesting uh, thing. And, and I, I've, I noticed you've been saying on Twitter quite a bit or talking about quite a bit, um, and I've been wondering a lot of the same thing, um, who the uh, who's going to get the short end of the stick once everyone starts to get healthy. Uh, Cunningham, obviously, um, has already played this year and kind of fit his way into the rotation, but and we saw Tyreek Evans come back yesterday. But, um, yeah, I, th- I think you're definitely right there that there's something to uh, how exactly the importance of each player is going to play into whether they're playing or not in about a month. Yeah, I think, and at least seen with Alvin Gentry, like, he's willing to change rotations up on the fly. So I, it might change game to game. And I think that's something that should be looked at, too. It would be interesting. Well, he kind of said as much early in this, you know, before all the injuries struck. It seemed like that was his plan. And, I mean, there's worse problems to have than too many players who you, who you can put on the court. But I don't know if I trust him to make the right call a lot of the time. And, and, and it's Yeah, there's too many players put on the court. And I'm not sure that these guys are, like, even the best options. It's just like they're all, like, kind of average, you know. They're not really 
none of really standout players. They're all yeah. average role players who could have a night on any given game. But it's, yeah, exactly. I'm not sure Alvin Gentry. If that's a process you could trust night in and night out to find the right guy, the hot hand. Yeah, it's just a lot of responsibility. I mean, the best coaches can probably make that call, and I think you know you see that with a lot of. It's definitely the thing in the NBA right now. Definitely a trend that's emerging from the best teams: Spurs, Warriors, Cavs. Um, being able to reach down into their bench. Even the Clippers uh, have part of their being so good this year has been their ability to play those guys um, deeper on the bench. But uh, it's a hard thing to do and to keep all the guys happy that you need to keep happy. And it starts to be too many things to juggle, I think, at a certain point. Um, But, I mean, so I'll say my most important player. And then I'd like to hear your thoughts on how Buddy did last night. Uh, We're recording this before the Rockets game, so... uh, the last night's game was the Pacers game. I mean, my most important player, I think, uh, has been Langston Galloway. Um, just, I mean, I, there's been too many games now, especially uh, ones without Drew Holiday, where Galloway has somehow been the second uh, option on offense. And uh, that's sort of the first answer for why the Pelicans have been losing so many games and especially so many close games. A lot of that stuff's going to come down to who's carrying your offense. Um, and you touched on that a lot on the uh, player grades last night on, on Anthony Davis's section is, you know, if if it's your focal point on offense, that guy's got to be able to, to score when things get tighter in crunch time, uh, when defenses are keying in on them and whatever. And um, somehow links in Galloway, I mean, I don't really know if it's skill necessarily. I think a lot of it's been luck, but at a certain point you have to wonder when that uh, – when you have to give him the benefit of the doubt and start saying making difficult shots is just a skill a guy has rather than a, a lucky break over a couple of weeks. And Galloway's been proving that. I mean, he wasn't so great last night, but obviously um, even you know hot shooters are going to have a, a cold night. But it's been about a month now, a little less than a month of him pretty consistently um, you know, helping the offense with his shooting. So he's got to be like, you know, Besides, I mean, and even saying Holiday is a little bit of a cop-out because probably he'd be second if he hadn't missed so much time. But Galloway's definitely up there as far as, like, un, unexpected importance, you know? It kind of speaks to, like, how desperate the Pelicans are when you're having to rely on Langston Galloway for your shooting. Yeah. But what did you think of uh, what you think of what we saw from Buddy? I mean, a lot of it was shooting, and, of course, he's going to look great when those shots are falling. Um, sometimes it's just as simple as that, but I thought I saw a lot of stuff from him that was was uh, not as I don't know, not as simple as just you know making shots last night. What'd you see? What I saw, I think obviously playing with Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday has been like huge for him because he doesn't really, he sets like a little rub screen and then rolls. They, they do a play where Anthony Davis comes up as he's got like a fake pick and roll with Holiday, and then Buddy sprints to the corner, and they did that, did that a couple times. I thought that was a really, really nice setup of a play. And just the, the way he's being used in the starting lineup, I think I will give the, the coaching staff credit for that because they stuck with Buddy. And now you, you kind of got the feeling before even uh, last night against the Pacers that he was on the cusp of, like, a breakout game. I've been really uh, impressed with how they've been getting him on curls to the rim, and he does a little uh, pull-up from mid-range. It's just, yeah. it's just the way he's been getting used more, re- more recently that's been impressive to me. And yeah, they do like, those uh, those little mid-range curls uh, 
for for Galloway and, and Hield. And I mean, I'd be interested to see. I mean, that kind of stuff is going to be what Gentry tries to do once everybody's healthy. That's what he's made a living doing in the past few years as an assistant is, uh, you know, motion and and cutting and screening from ev- from all five positions. And I think that's a lot of why you maybe see Omer Oshik not playing as much recently. Because maybe not even so much, you know, the problems that so many fans have with him where, you know, he, he's not as uh, athletic and, and fast as you might like from a team playing a little quicker in his hands. Obviously, that's a problem still. It shouldn't be this late in his career, et cetera, et cetera. But um, I think a lot of it maybe comes down to Agensa can at least provide some semblance of, you know, what uh, uh, Alvin Gentry's center um can do you know a lot of that passing and shooting stuff that becomes more valuable when it's a bigger guy doing it and and Najinsa can at least um for 20 minutes a game provide a little of that and he did it last night he made a couple jumpers and he's had some good moments I mean that's the story of his career at this point but he was really good against the Warriors the other night too he he had very nice blocks protecting the room well and Ajinga, in 20 minutes, he will show you flashiness. You're going to see some goofy plays from him, but you will see some goofy plays from Masik as well. So I think I agree with you on that. Ajinka being in the starting lineup isn't something – I don't think you would agree, too. It's not a long-term answer. No, I don't think so. You have to guard Ajinka on offense. You have to at least respect him because he, he he has a nice touch. He can, he can hit a mid-range. He, can, he has competent enough hands. He's athletic enough. So I agree with you. In 20 minutes, you – he fits what the Pelicans are trying to do better than the Seek. And you've seen it with the offensive improvement the last two games. I think recently the last two games, the offense has looked more of like Alvin Gentry's vision of what what, what we thought would happen when we, Alvin Gentry was hired. It's been more of ball movement, more pace. And, I, and you hadn't seen that really in a consistent basis since he's been here. And the, the last two games, I think, were the best representation of his vision. Yeah, for sure. I mean... Um... It's it's just I've I've always said I mean even last year when you were talking about guys like James Ennis and uh, I don't even know a whole assortment of of dudes that shouldn't have been playing as many minutes as they had to um, it's always been about you get it's I mean you, the best scores can do this on their own but the best systems can do it for the players that are in it which is getting to their spots I mean that's the oldest thing in basketball is. You know, Michael Jordan, can he get to his spot? Whatever. Whoever it is, those guys are always, they know where they're best, and then they can get their shot off from that spot. But a, a system like Gentry's is all about getting those guys in their spot and, and having an open shot from it. And uh, when things are rolling like they were last night, you see Buddy open in the corner. You see um, even a Jinsa on a, on a pick-and-pop from mid-range. You see Drew Holiday rolling to the rim a lot more and making plays from the paint rather than a, having to pull up with a, you know, less spaced out offense. Um, so when the, the team's been healthy, it's it's looked good a lot of the time that Gentry's been here. But, I mean, I'm, I think eventually we'll, we'll probably see something change with with uh, either the roster or the coaching. And I hope it doesn't come down to the fact that the team wasn't healthy enough for him. But, um, but you're right. I mean, I guess going through that mindset would be who do you think the again we're gonna have to go non-Anthony Davis here because he's definitely the answer but uh best offensive player um outside of Davis who do you have um I mean it's limited sales size and obviously he was hurt in the beginning of the year but I'm gonna I have to say Drew Holiday anyway because he's the only guy I could probably say you could rely on 
night in, night out, and not even because um, he's not a perfect offensive player. Drew Holiday, he 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 still relies too much on jump shots. I feel, but he he runs the offense the most efficiently. He gets he gives one of those guys that does get to his spots. He he passes with decisiveness. And when it comes down to it, like I said, he's the only one I could really rely on night in and night out. And I think he's the only one that would probably be a starter on any other team. Yeah, that's probably true. That's a good way to look at it. Um, Yeah, I have, I mean, I have Holiday too. I don't really think there's another answer for this one. Um, But yeah, I mean, he, it's, it's just a patience thing with him. You know what I mean? It's, it's weird to see a player who is, is so good simply because they don't rush anything. Um, I mean, there's some players who could get in a lot of trouble by doing that and, and they don't have the, the intelligence or the, you know, skill to do what they need to do once they have their, their angle or their, um, their pass open or, you know, a man, um, open, but the fact that he knows exactly when to go whenever he needs to, uh, score when, you know, there's a a hole in the defense splitting a, um, double team, splitting, you know, defenders in the pick and roll, crossing a guy over. He just, he never is too rushed about any of the decisions he makes and it ends up being, you know, better, more often than not and so that's been so nice for a team that doesn't actually have that much chemistry I mean I guess that's not really surprising but they haven't had time together and so um, it's really even more impressive to see what he can do he steps on the court and then all of a sudden it seems like these guys have been playing together for a couple seasons already rather than you know Solomon Hill and each one more and Terrence Jones and crunch time last night like those guys uh (laughs) they they have not played a ton together between more being injured and this only being their first year on the team, it, it, crunch time offense last night looked, I mean, at least like they knew what they were doing, um, which is pretty much just a testament to Holiday orchestrating everything, communicating. And then, I mean, obviously you have a guy like Anthony Davis makes things a lot easier, but um, but it's definitely Holiday. He's been, he's been just as good as he was last year. Maybe the point totals aren't showing that, but um, when you have players like Galloway and Heald, kind of taking that burden off from, you know, compared to what they were, what he was working with around him last year at the end when he was scoring 20, 30 every night. Um, it's been a lot better this year for him to work and also the results uh, overall. I think that was going to be another adjustment for Holiday as he's, he's going to, he's the best guard on the team, best perimeter player on the team offensively. And I think he's going to be a challenge for him some nights because he's going to get the team's best guy on him. Yeah, for sure, especially as he starts playing more often and they can actually game plan. I feel like that's been a problem. The teams don't even know what to expect because they have no idea what the heck Gentry's going to throw out and who's going to be healthy. I agree with that. And and also, I, I think this might be something we disagree on. Where do you think Drew Holiday is most effective as the primary ball handler? Or do you like him next to Tim Frazier? I mean, I like Tim Frazier a lot, but I think, I mean, it's going to be interesting. It kind of goes back to that rotation discussion, which I think everything will start to go into that discussion as the year goes on. But, I mean, I don't think he's most effective in that position, definitely. I mean, I like, I I get what Gentry's trying to do there, because especially considering um, he doesn't have a lot of other options, and I think he likes what he can do when he has both of those guys who can make a play once the ball's in their hands. Um, and I, I really, I mean, I, I don't know how long I have to expect that each one more will be better in those situations before he actually does. And maybe that won't be this year. I don't know. I mean, 
he has a four-year deal, and I guess we have four years to see, but I kind of always imagined that having him in the starting lineup next to either one of those guys was going to be sort of the same situation for Gentry, where he'd have those two guys both being able to to make plays, but I definitely think if you have Frazier handling the second unit, that's that's the best situation, not having both of those guys together. And I mean, if they play crunch time and, it, and the offense is working, then so be it, but... Um, I don't think we've seen great things from those guys out of outside of a few fourth quarters here and there. It almost feels like the Pelicans are in the problem. They have too many ball handlers, too many guys that, and especially with Tyreek Evans coming back. Yeah, well, too many guys who should, maybe not too many guys who are great at it, you know. All right, well, let's uh, let's go on to, hmm, I guess let's go to, most uh, best defender. Let's switch switch things over to the, the defensive side of the ball. I'll go first this time. Um, I think it still has to be Solomon Hill. I mean, I think, I don't know. I, I guess in a lot of the same ways that Omar Ashik has been such a maligned uh, guy this past couple of years since he's been so abysmal with his big contract being the only thing people notice, um, I think Hill, Solomon Hill was destined to be disappointing based on the expectations you kind of get thrown on you when you have a four-year, $48 million contract. Um, That kind of player, making that much money, that player should be doing a whole lot on both ends or being the best player in the league on one end. You know what I mean? There's not a lot of uh, average or below average players making that much money, even in the you know, financial climate that the NBA is in right now. There's still not players who who can't at least show up on one side of the ball every night that are making that much money, and the ones who do are pretty obvious and and uh, they stand out. And I don't think Hill has stood out negatively in a, the same way that a lot of those players have. I mean, we're starting to see a lot of you know quarter season, third season. Uh, awards similar to these from across the league and he's not getting mentioned in the same class as a guy like Evan Turner or you know um Luol Deng other wings who have been, who have struggled with their new teams and I think a lot of that's because of how good he's been on defense regardless of the the poor offensive play I mean he he can credibly guard the best wings in the league and and there's a lot of those guys you're never going to really stop because of the matchup problem that they have and you know mixing up coverage on those guys is always going to be the best plan rather than just saying all right Solomon <laughs> go go control KD for 48 minutes nobody can ex- be expected to do that but I thought he did a really good job on Paul George last night and I mentioned that maybe you know that could have been as a result of playing with Paul George for the first four years of his con- of his uh, career but either way Paul George not an easy guy to defend, regardless of how familiar familiar you are with him. And between Drew Holiday and, and Solomon Hill, they were able to keep him in check um, quite a bit. And so, I mean, that's just another example. But it's been throughout the whole year that that Hill's been able to, or maybe not the whole year, but it, definitely the past month or so, that Hill's been able to keep those guys in control, whether it's from the post, you know, or or outside. How, who do you have? I think Solomon Hill, he, he's not a terrible player. Like, he's not a horrible, terrible, useless player. It's just that, like you said, when you factor in the contract, he just hasn't lived up to it. And I think it, it, it's almost kind of unfair to him, but his defense has not really been bad at all. And I have Drew Holiday as the best defender, and that's mainly just because I've I, been really enamored with his way to guard. 
positions one through three, as you touched on. He guarded Paul George last night. I thought he did a good job on Steph Curry the other day, even though Curry dropped 30, I think. But still moved to tough spots, tough shots, and yeah, I mean, you can't you can't use Steph Curry as an example of how good or bad a, a defender is. Exactly. And I, I think with those guys, as long as you're forcing them into tough shots and not letting them get to their spots, you're doing a good job. And Holiday does a good job using the size on the, to stop bigger small forwards from getting to the spots that they want. Like a number of times last night, he Paul George tried to post him up, or you know you've seen small forwards try to post him up, and they they just won't he won't budge, and they're stuck and they're forced into a tough fadeaway or a tough like twenty footer, and that that's just been really impressive to me, and the way he's been playing the passing lanes as well. But I agree with you on Solomon Hill has not been bad defensively. He's actually been been very good, and he's given with your advertised defense and. It just comes down to the offensive side of the ball. That's where he gets really a lot of the stigma placed on him as a bust. And and likely he won't. I don't think he will live up to his contract. But at least you know you can play him and know what you're kind of going to get. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so Holiday's weird because, I mean, he's one of those guys. I don't know if you've uh, taken a look at any of the numbers. But all the, the defensive statistics that try to show what – what a player is uh, like, you know, overall on either side of the ball, don't favor him defensive box plus minus. He's, uh, he's been a little better by that metric than he was last year, but he's basically having a similar defensive season to yeah, what he I did. Too. What'd uh, you say? I remember you wrote a piece touching on that. Yeah. Part, I think it was part of the season that he might be a little slightly overrated on defense. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know what it is though, because I agree with you. Like he, He's he looks really good, and I think clearly he, he helps what the Pelicans try to do. Um, I mean, a lot of those numbers too um, are still dependent on the team defense, and we we all know that that's been pretty um, frustrating, whatever you want to call it, for the past few years. So, I mean, that that probably has a little bit to do with it, but still, I mean, somebody who looks so good should probably be doing more to help his team. And yeah, to finish what I was saying, he's basically having the same defensive season he had uh, during their, their playoff year um, when he only played 40 games. But when he played, he's, he's basically graded out as about the same defensively this year as he was that year. Um, same defensive rating, pretty much the same defensive box plus minus. Um, but I think, I mean, I think he still looks just as good as he did in the years where he, the numbers showed he was more valuable. So I don't know. It's it's hard. Do you, I mean, is there anywhere where you see him getting taken advantage of on on defense? Um, I, I don't know. It's interesting. Like it's one of those things where you know you have the eye test versus the numbers and the metrics, and where I do see him struggle when it comes to like closing. I think he closes out a little too hard sometimes, and then that leads to guys blowing by him. He plays, but other than that, it's really it's nothing really. I think that's been glaringly obvious that while Drew Holiday is struggling on this at this on defense but other than maybe closing out too hard and I know he he has a tendency to get over aggressive and commit dumb fouls like I saw that a couple times uh against the Golden State Warriors but then again it's Golden State so yeah I don't I don't know it watching Drew Holiday like you, you think wow this guy's has one of the top defenders and he he gets that credit among the league too like you hear it amongst every like most, most NBA people say he's a yeah. two-way player. 
And I think that, yeah. I mean, the, the co- opposing coaching staffs definitely seem that way, and the Pelicans staff definitely does. I mean, yeah, he's guarding Paul George last night. You don't throw a guy that you don't think is capable onto that matchup and, and let him just get taken, you know. It's definitely that they have that confidence in him too. So, I mean, it's it's definitely strange. And he's only played 12 games this year, so you don't. I don't want to like... Yeah, exactly. Those those are hard to really use, but it's, he hasn't been a defensive plus defensive box. I don't think he's been like a positive at all since he's been with the Pelicans. No, he he his last positive. He wasn't even a, a positive on defense, really, according to those uh, numbers. Um, I mean, I don't know compared to what the Sixers were overall uh, as far as defensive rating and, and whatever, but. Um, no, even in his all-star season, defensive box plus minus, he was negative 0.4. That's sort of when his uh, trend downward started. His second two seasons are the only two he's been positive by that number. Um, and that was, a, on a, obviously, really good Sixers uh, defense for most of that time with Doug Collins and, you know, when they were still making the playoffs every year. And So, I mean, a lot of it is team dependent, and the Pelicans are a worse team than those Sixers teams were, but... But I, I don't know. It's it's a weird one. I mean, I guess it's something to watch because this year, you know, it looks like he'll have most of the year pretty healthy um, with a better team around him and a better defensive team for sure around him. So I guess we just watch it. Um, who do you have uh, for most improved? I mean, I guess it could be Holiday, but we've only seen 12 games of him, and I don't think he's improved too much. Uh, I think he's improved the team, but that might be more uh, – like, this might be a cop-out, but I have Anthony Davis at most improved. And, you know, I, we, we, I had to throw Anthony Davis somewhere on the list because he has, like, legitimately improved his game. And I, I, he wasn't good at post. He was not a good post player last year on offense. He was – and he really fixed that. He's averaging, I think, one point per possession in the post, and that's better than guys like LaMarcus Aldridge, um, Joel Embiid, Kevin. Like, you know, with post-up guys you think of as post-up players, he's doing better than them. He's doing it. He's like in the 78th percentile in the post, and he's he's kind of finally developed a go-to move offensively that wasn't there that we've been waiting on. Like where because he used to be, he was assisted highly on a lot of his shots. Now, I think that still may be the case, but now you see Anthony Davis in isolation. He can do a little floater. In between yeah, he floaters. has that. Uh, he can he can rip through or cross over on, on the post when he when he turns his. Uh, foot and he can you know he, he'll go from posting to facing up really smoothly I think that's a lot of where the improvement comes from is being able to transition between he's always been a great face-up player but knowing when to take advantage from each uh, you know situation has been the thing I, that stuck out to me To me, and he, guys like in the past guys like Thaddeus Young or Rudy Gay you stick a guy like that on like an athletic wing type of player and he, he would he would struggle he wouldn't really that could kind of match his quickness. He wouldn't really know how to combat that. But now he, he's fine with shooting over them. He's fine with dropping a hook over them. He's using his length better this year. And it's, it's just been like as a basketball fan, like almost amazing to watch, like what he's doing on a nightly basis. Yeah, it's, it's, it definitely is. I mean, I, I, I don't even – I never wanted to say it. Like obviously I haven't been a Pelicans fan since the beginning of his career. I've really been paying, paying attention the past maybe three, four seasons, so most of it. But – even then, not super paying attention to last year. And I'm not, I, I mean, I wasn't necessarily incredibly impressed every single night before this season, especially last year. Um, there, were, there were nights where I was, like, downright disappointed in him last year, like knowing he could have done more 
for sure. And this year, it hasn't even been close. I mean, I definitely think um, out of any player that I've watched consistently, you know, nightly, that I've, you know, ever been a fan of a team or covered a team, anything like that, he he's he's quickly becoming the top of that list for me as far as being just straight up impressing. Like, I think it really is that floater that that being comfortable making and taking that shot has, has opened up so much because now he knows if, if he gets in a rough situation in the paint, he can dribble through guys and then just just rise up for for that shot. And he, he makes it most of the time. So if he has that, then that opens up, you know, teams are more afraid to give him space when he's going to shoot a jumper. Teams are, uh, you know, bodying up on him more and letting him, you know, use the quickness he's always had to get around them when they do try to play closer to him and, and contest those shots. And it's that in-between that makes it so much easier to do all the other stuff. He, he can dunk on anybody if he gets in the paint but and he you know he's always had a jumper but being able to do all of it consistently and then adding that floater I mean I this is my long way of saying I agree with you it's yeah. definitely Ben Davis and it's almost like because he was already really good and I even like like you said last year at this he would have games where you disappointed and I'm almost waiting for that this season I'm always waiting for the game where I'm like okay well now he's coming back to earth well I think that Sixers game I mean, I don't know if you watched that one because it was pretty disappointing. If you weren't watching it on the night of, you probably weren't going to go back to it. But um, he was pretty bad that night. But I, I just feel like there's going to be just like entire teams have, you know, schedule losses, whatever you want to call them, rough patches. It's it's 82 games. You're not going to be perfect for all of them. Even an MVP isn't going to do that. I mean, he's still averaging crazy numbers across the board. But I was disappointed that night. But still, like. Uh, you you end up taking those bad performances a lot easier once a guy is consistently showing you greatness. And, I mean, there's really nothing else to call this season for him. Oh, yeah, and I think, and I don't know if you would agree, but if the Pelicans are anywhere near, like, the playoffs, he's definitely a top of MVP list. If, he's, if the Pelicans are, like, four seed, anywhere near in that range, I think he's at the top of people's MVP list. I mean, sure. I agree with you, but that's a really long way to go. <laughs> and that is. I'm, it's just kind of... Um, testament to like how good he's been and like the drop off yeah for sure what do you see in his defense overall and that's what I've been most interested in this year is um besides the blocks the blocks have always been there um what do you think overall of how he's been defensively well I've been for a big man to like the way he plays the passing lane is really really amazing to me I'm I'm he has really good anticipation on on uh, timing on what guys are trying to do. He jumps he jumps passes really well, and I think he's finding like accepted the anchor of the the front line. I think playing center has like a big big reason to do that. His willingness to play center because he didn't he wasn't willing to do that in the past. I think that's helped him, and I think mostly I've, I've kind of had some disappointments in that he he kind of gets uh blown by a little bit too easy he comes out on the perimeter too much but I mean that, that, that's very minuscule I'm honestly really been feel like he finally took that next step to being the defensive anchor that we thought he could be he's not there yet he's not like all-time grade level yet by any means but I, I finally think you're starting to see the signs that the defensive potential that we thought he would have and he's finally starting to like showcase that this year what do you think I mean, I definitely agree with you. It's I I think that I attach too much to how he's doing individually on defense. 
because I want to see so much out of him. Um, I think he's definitely falling into that category that it's easy to put players in that are so great is you constantly want them to keep building and keep building. And, you know, why doesn't this guy shoot threes better? Why doesn't this guy play, you know, um, defend the pick and roll better? And I think that, I mean, the pick and roll has definitely been, um, besides when he's, you know, laying back and blocking some dumb guard who tries to throw a floater over him. That kind of stuff's always been impressive. But, I mean, I really have to tell myself some nights to just be like, all right, get over whatever you think he should be doing and just let what he is doing, like, happen to you. And he's definitely been impressive when I've tried to do that. I mean, he um, just quickly through the numbers, he's been seven – the Pelicans have been 7.2 points per 100 possessions better um, with him on the court. And overall, they're they're still a top. They're a number twelve in defense this year so far. I mean, after last night, that was a, a nice performance. I'm sure that boosted um, their numbers overall, hold, holding the Pacers to twenty five on a pretty or ninety five points on a pretty inefficient night for them. Um, that's obviously nights like that are going to help. But still, I mean, that's impressive to keep the team that high on the list, and also to be have the team be even better with you when you're playing 38 minutes a game. I mean, it's it's hard to argue when you see numbers like that. Um, but no, I think he's, I mean, the, the steals, I, I am glad you touched on that because that's definitely been a big part of it for me um, is those paths. I mean, he and he, he for, a, for a superstar, quote unquote, whatever you want to call those, those kinds of players, um, top 25 players, top 30 players, um, for the best player on each team to be, hustling if all if every superstar hustled the way anthony davis has been doing on this in this season um teams good teams would be a lot better he, he gets on the floor on after loose balls he's um bodying up on guys i mean his rebounding has been a lot better this year uh watching it but also just the number i mean he's averaging the most of his career um all that stuff has been he's just doing better at a lot of the things he's always been good at and sometimes it's that easy i guess yeah, and then uh, obviously, like uh, his usage is like crazy this year too. I believe so. Like that, that's probably played like a part in the jumping numbers. Like he's always been capable. And like I, in the rebounding, I don't even know if he's necessarily like rebounding better. It's just that he's playing less with the seek. He's playing more as center. He's playing with Solomon Hill a lot at the four or Terrence Jones, who are not really like great rebounders. Tim Jones had a nice rebounding night last night. He was getting pissed at guys at the end of the game. I don't know what got into him, but he's like. If if my game if if my rebounding is going to decide this game, then it, we're going to win this game. <laughs> it was probably one of my my yesterday was probably one of the best games I saw from Terrence Jones like all around. Like obviously he has those like rare scoring outbursts, but as far as like a complete performance defensively on the glass on offense, like he he wasn't stopping the ball. He was he was, all his shots were in rhythm, and I think they got him like an isolation. I think you, you tweeted it out. He, it was uh, he was isolation and able to get to the basket and, and I like the way they were using him last night. And yeah, what was... uh, well, that tweet was that they're putting him on the at the elbow or in the post on isos rather than having him stick around in the like top of the key mid range area because that's when he stops the ball. He doesn't know what to do in those situations. Which sure, that's maybe not his best spot. So it's good that they're learning not to put him there. But in the beginning of the year, especially when there wasn't a, as much around him, he was they were they were just throwing him the ball and asking him to to create and that's never been what his game is um so yeah having having using his passing ability i mean he's not like a ball handler but he can find guys um and so to put him in the post and have movement going around him some of the you know 
off screens and stuff we talked about earlier um, for shooters in the bench, Galloway and um, whoever else, that's going to be, I think that's a great way to use him. And it, it worked last night, so I, I think we'll see more of it. And, uh, and there was like the end of the second, end of the first half, there was him and Solomon Hill at the front court, and I, I thought it was going to be a disaster. But I, I think they went on like a little mini run, got the Pelicans right back into it at half. They were down eight. And, uh, oh, yeah, that was because Davis got his, uh, uh, his third foul, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that was. I mean, that game last night was really impressive overall. I mean, it's it's kind of hard to be like excited after a game against the Pacers, but that's a that's a legit team. They're not horrible. They're not bad. They're you know mid tier playoff team in the East. That's a those are the kinds of teams you have to be impressive against, and then try your best against the the top notch teams. And even against Golden State, they 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 were like legitimately like impressive to watch. They, they always play up to Golden State. I mean, I don't even know. I don't know if it's if it's the coaching staff having familiarity with those guys. But I mean, even this year, that's a completely different team. They're doing things differently with with Durant, and and they're still the, every game that they've played against them. I mean, Curry that breaking the record a couple weeks ago. If they if he hadn't been that hot from three, they they would have been just as much in that game as they were the other two. I don't know what it is about that matchup. Maybe they just get fired up from their history with those guys, but. Against Phoenix, you know, it wasn't obviously like they got a win, but it wasn't like a, as impressive as the last two games. Like they, they won two out of their last three, and they look legitimately better. But we've seen like this team can go on stretches of looking really good, and then just completely like flatline and revert back to stagnant ball movement. Or and I, I don't know if that happened. That happens like every team, you know, every team goes through stretches. But it just seems like with the Pelicans. Like consistency has like uh, remaining consistent, having consistent style of play has been not been the case for them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we can wrap up with uh, some stuff for the next couple uh, nights, but um, the last uh, little you know third season award that we had was a least valuable player, and that's not the best one to end on. I guess I should have planned that better. That's a little depressing, but um, obviously we've been. I mean, last night was good, and you're right. We have seen stretches. But there's no getting around the fact that this team um, has not been very good uh, for most of the year. They're 9-18, 12th in the West. They've got a lot of ground to make up in the playoff hunt. Um, I mean, it even kind of sounds silly to be talking about any of that stuff right now, um, playoffs, unless things turn up um, quickly. But um, that being said, there there has to be one guy you've looked at or seen consistent um, disappointment out of that you think is maybe most responsible for I mean to me it's been the lack of ability to to close out games so that's where my answer is going to go but I mean who do you have well for individual players I don't I don't want to like cancel him as like the reason that the team is 9-18 but like it just leaves out player for me is Solomon Hill just because of the four-year 48 million dollar contract he's taking 12 percent of the cap space up and that you signed him to be your, your small forward for the future this is the guy you pegged long term to pair with Anthony Davis at the three or the four, and he just, frankly, like you could find like the production that he's giving you on a lot, a lot of guys for like a lot cheaper, and it's not necessarily even the money; it's just the amount of years that you tied into him. And he's not really, he, you, you can't see any consistent offensive game. I don't know if he'll ever develop that. He's already twenty four, twenty going on, or maybe he's a twenty five. I don't know, but it's just. He doesn't seem like one of those guys that's like for sure you can say, yeah, he's going to get better. I can trust him or 
he, he's someone that we can put in as a starter 30 minutes a game. And that like that's what his contract is saying. And I think, like, come down the line, like, you said it hasn't really been getting scrutinized much, but I think when you look back on it, this might be one of, like, the, one of the worst deals of the offseason. Yeah, I mean, so, it's it's definitely it's hard to, to disagree. And I don't want to blame it, like, oh, he's the reason the team's 9-18, because it, it's, it, there's a lot of different reasons. Yeah, I mean, that, I, I guess I framed it that way, but I know, I mean, everyone knows it's not. Solomon Hill's fault the team lost 18 games. I mean, he's been decent for probably half those games. He's not the kind of player that's going to impact positively or negatively that kind of result. And it's not even like a knock on him for getting his contract. Like, he got, he got paid. He can't really knock him for it. And just that you, you wonder if there's just much better options or other options that you could have had that would have given you the same production. Like I said, I don't even know if he's better than Dante Cunningham. I can't for sure say that Solomon Hill is better than Dante Cunningham, or even when we had a guy like James Ennis last year. I can't say that he's better than James Ennis because I don't, I don't know. I don't think he is, but he's making like double or maybe triple of those guys make. Yeah, I mean, it, he hasn't shown it for sure. I mean, I've liked what they've been doing with him. Um, I mean, that that's the main reason I have opt- more optimism about this team recently than I had. I mean, even during that five-game streak, it was like, or four, whatever it was when Drew first came back, it's like there's going to be that bounce back regression, positive regression back to what the team should have been um, just by way of having Holiday on the court. I mean, you could have seen that coming. I don't think necessarily I expected it to be all those games right at once to get us back to you know where we should be, but it's still expected, um, and so I wasn't necessarily that ecstatic about it when it was happening. Um, I, the Hawks win, that one was really impressive, but the rest of them, uh, I was kind of just in almost, not expecting, but, you know, and this stretch, even though it hasn't been as, you know, exclamatory in the win column, has definitely been impressive to me because I've, I'm seeing things out of the individual players that I wish I had been seeing all year, and that obviously is more indicative of, you know, how they might be able to play in the future than, you know, Drew Holiday showing off his uh, skills over his few-game stretch. So in that uh, regard, I think each one more has been the least valuable or you know least most disappointing, whatever you want to call it, player for me because even though he – I mean, he played crunch time last night, which has not been all that common for him. Gentry hasn't trusted him in those situations all that often. There's been a few games here and there. I think in the Sixers game uh, he played crunch time, which is – uh, not necessarily good on him. Uh, they lost that lead in the fourth quarter, and they shouldn't have. And Stauskas scored a bunch of points in the second half. But um, it's been it's been more because I mean, even last night he had a nice steal on Paul George. He's he's defended decently all year. I mean, um, he hasn't always gotten those top notch assignments that you might think of him as being able to handle. But when he's had the opportunity, he's made some big you know, plays. He's, he's never looked to be the problem on defense. That's for sure. And yet he's still not, you know, to have somebody defending average or above average and still look awful. That means their offense must be atrocious. And, um, I mean, the points are coming and I mean, he's scoring in double digits, but he's shooting 31% on threes. Um, he's not being trusted to handle the ball and maybe that's you know not on him necessarily to not be put in the positions to succeed some of that's obviously coaching but um 
he's just been disappointing and he's not been able to do the things that you would have been sure he would have been able to do. I think that's what's been the worst part is there's some like each one more. I'm like, okay, well, he'll be able to play the pick and roll on offense, probably make some pull-up jumpers and then defend. And I mean, he's defended decently, but the offense is nowhere near. He's he's even worse than he was last year in a um, similar role. And it so looks like he kind of doesn't fit in on offense. Like yeah, I, I mean, I saw that you were saying that in the grades, and I, I kind of agree, but I feel like he should. Yeah, he should definitely. I, I, I wish he was better off ball. I, I, I get, I get, he's not as good off ball as I thought he would be. I thought he'd be a, a lot better on obviously like catch and shoot or pull up on pull up jumpers, but he's gotten like a lot of takes a lot of dribbles. He kind of like he's kind of in about the ball stopper. He, he gets into the post. He does a little turnaround and yeah, he's like he, the fifth guy on this team that's best suited for a backup point guard role. <laughs> yeah, and he, he's not really producing, so it's hard to put him as the primary ball handler when you have guys like Tim Frazier or Tyree Evans that are, and then you have Langston Galloway who's just like surprisingly just on fire all of a sudden off, and he can he can Langston Galloway is like the perfect guy to play off ball. He can catch the shoes, knock him down threes, and it's just hard to see where like more fits in and if he's like the guy that should be handling the ball or creating out of the pick and roll. I don't know. It's it's been it's been shocking because I thought he would be. For sure, like a, I thought he's gonna be a good acquisition. He looked good in like the off season, and it just hasn't clicked. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think. Yeah, I mean, I was more excited about that deal than uh, than the Hill contract, regardless of money. I just like how I thought more would fit on the team a lot more than how I thought uh, Hill would you know, at face value. But obviously, that hasn't been. Neither one of them have been great, but I think Hill's been at least a better fit. Um, but I think we can end. We'll do. Right. Yeah. So, that's. I mean. I think that says all you need to know about the how the Pelicans have looked through through a third of the year. Um, that in itself. But um, well, I think we'll end. We won't do Friday or Sunday's games because I'm not sure if this will run Sunday or Monday. But we can uh, guess the project the wins uh, for next week's games. They only play three next week, which is going to be a nice break for them. Um, they do have a back to back on Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, at Philly and then in OKC, which is going to be a crappy way to to go see Russ, but um, I guess that's how it goes. Um, So the first game is, like I said, Tuesday at Philly. Um, I think that's a winnable game, but I also thought the last Sixers game was going to be winnable. What do you think? I think they they, they win that game. I'm going to – I feel like against the Philly, it was a lot of fluky stuff. I don't think Drew played either – no, he didn't. Yeah, good health. I, I think they should handle Philly. And Embiid will play in that one too. I, I'm sure, pretty sure, because uh, it's not a back-to-back or anything for them. So um, it'll be with him again. But I, I still, I still agree with you. I think they'll win that one. Uh, so then the next night they fly to, or that night they fly to OKC and they play the Thunder on Wednesday night. Um, in or no, no, sorry, I'm re- I'm misreading. It's a home game against the Thunder. So they fly back to, to New Orleans that night. Um, and even further travel, but obviously better to play the Thunder at home. What do you think? That's tough because they've been like they've actually been like he's pretty good at home. But um, yeah, and they were competitive with the Thunder for the most part the other night. They were. 
that's tough. I'm gonna I'm gonna say they lose though. I don't think they can. Uh, I think the back to back is entire legs. I don't think they have enough shooting. Yeah, games. and I don't think Russ is a good matchup for Holiday. It's not the kind of guy that he's. I mean, he's not a good matchup for anybody in the league. But um, I think you have to piss Russ off and at least play as physically as he does. And that's not Holiday's game. He's not a loud guy. He's not a gonna tackle you to the ground kind of guy. So I agree with you there. Um, and then Friday, I think we'll both agree is uh, home again with you know a whole day's rest, probably an off day Thursday, back home again on Friday um, before Christmas, last game before Christmas, and it's the Heat. What do you think? Um, I'm, I give that uh, a win. They should, they should beat the Heat at home. Yeah, they better beat the Heat. I mean, Dragic is the kind of guy that uh, a holiday can defend, um, not too athletic, and that's that's the, their offense is going to be dependent. If Dragic has a huge game, the Heat might have a chance to win. Otherwise they're probably going to lose. So if Holiday can even, you know, keep him in check a little bit, then I think that that one's a pretty easy matchup for the Pelicans. That's like one of the only teams in the league that has a worse uh, rotation than the Pelicans do. So um, I think you're right. I think we agree on all those. So two and one, I mean, if, if that is true, then they'll have one. What it will, it'll be four or six going into a pretty crappy next week, which is going to be Mavs, Clippers, Knicks, Cavs. But still, I mean, you win the games that you, you know, you're supposed to win and then you try your best in the other ones and they haven't even been able to do that. So if they can start playing those games a lot better, that'll give them a better chance. And they'll be like 11 and 19 if they do go 2 and 1, obviously. But, uh, it, and it really is just about like the 0 and 8. I won't go into 0 and 8, like really just put you completely behind the eight ball to where you, you can't even afford like those little stretches they had like last week where you lose like three in a row. They you can't afford that at this point. If they have any hope to make the playoffs, which like that shouldn't even be like talked about right now, but you know. Yeah. Alright, well I mean two and one's a good way to leave, so I guess we got off the least valuable player stuff in a good way, but um, I think that'll wrap up this episode and we are gonna try to do more of these uh, as our schedules get freed up. Um, I think maybe I'll try to – I have a Timberwolves writer from Fansided who I'm going to try to get on the next one. So if you're listening and you'd like to hear that, obviously be on the lookout on Twitter. We are at Pelican Debrief. And Charles, you can uh, catch him. You can plug your own Twitter there, Charles. All right. Follow me at C. LaRocca Jr. Follow Pelican Debrief. And yeah. Thanks Check out Charles. Uh, he does a player of the week every week on Pelican Debrief. Usually runs Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, somewhere in there. So um, be on the lookout for all that. And the next podcast will probably be up next week. And we appreciate your listening and reading as always. And uh, try to go to some Pelicans games if you live in New Orleans because you're going to be one of like 55 people that are there. Might be a fun game. Uh, so save the attendance, please. Always wondering if she's all into me. Curly hair like a fantasy, I can't believe. She's quiet, but the only ass to intrigue. And she's the kind of girl that you bring it home. That booty looking so nice like provolone.